All right, well, we'll begin in Romans chapter 8 and Proverbs uh, chapter 20. Romans chapter 8 and Proverbs chapter 20. Um, we'll begin uh, verse, verse 14 and 16 from Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then verse 16, the Spirit itself, or I, 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 you know, I put in there himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Or you could say the spirit of man is the <clears throat> light of the Lord or the light bulb of the Lord. Or some people say like a flashlight. In other words, he's going to use our spirits to lead us and to guide us. That is, God himself is going to use our spirits. Um, Genesis 1, 26 says that we're made in the likeness and the image of God himself. Excuse me. <clears throat> That we've been created in the likeness and in the image of God. And then um, over in John chapter 4, one of my favorite scriptures concerning worship. Let's just turn over there real quick. John chapter 4. Jesus is talking uh, to the woman at the well of Samaria. And um, it's a very illuminating passage of scripture. I can find it here. Well, I'll just start at the beginning, chapter, uh, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then uh, came he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sacher, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast uh, thou that living water? In other words, how can you get the living water? Where are you going to get it from? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come over here. Uh, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and he who you now have is not your husband. In that you said truly. <laughs> She's thinking. Right? Uh, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you will neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what, for we know, uh, excuse me, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So Genesis 1.26 we find out that man is made in the likeness and the image of God. And over here in John chapter 4 Jesus tells us that God is a spirit. So in other words we're made in His likeness and His image. So if He's a spirit man is also a spirit. And, and actually when He breathed the breath into man it was really uh, you could say He inspired man is the root Hebrew word. Uh, he breathed into man and gave man a spirit. And he became a living being because of the spirit that was in him. So when you die, when I die, uh, my body's still going to be here, but my spirit's going to leave my body. So if you look over in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul said, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn that we're not just um, a body and we're not just a mind, but actually we are a spirit being and we live in a body and we have a mind. And uh, mind contains your mind, your will, your emotions, all of those uh, faculties that man has. Now we separate them like this to study them, but really they all function together. So sometimes uh, if you yield to your flesh, well you're not going to do the will of God many times. Sometimes your flesh will feel like doing the will of God. You ever woke up and your flesh is just like this is the best day in the world and everything's wonderful. And, uh, but if you try to live like that you're going to be like James talked about a wave of the sea driven and tossed. Because some days you wake up and especially if you're exhausted and worked really hard and uh, you got things going on and pressures, uh, you don't feel uh, born again at all. But we don't, we're not moved by what we feel, we're moved by what we believe. So if you wait to feel something before you act like it's true, what God's Word says that you have, you might wait a lifetime. Or you might just have a few times in your life where you actually, oh, oh the Lord was there. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, uh, our manner of life as believers, if we're going to live as a believer, we're living by what we believe. And what we believe comes from what God said to us in His Word. He said it in His Word and then His Spirit made it real to us. His Spirit uh, quick, quickens that Word. And so I, I like we're over in uh, John chapter 4 where we were reading, you know, uh, verse 14, but whoever drinks of this water that I give him will never thirst, but the water I give will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And you know like uh, Jesus talks about in another place later in John, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, but this He spoke of the Spirit. Uh, which was not given, but He was going to give once He ascended on high. He said, it's so much better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, I can't send my Spirit. But if I go, now I can live inside of every single one of my uh, children. Right? So it's so much better that He goes away, uh, because now we each have the closest possible relationship that you can have. You actually, in First uh, Corinthians uh, is it chapter 7, we have become one Spirit with Him. So we're actually united with Him as one Spirit. And the reason I like verse 14 there is you'll notice uh, if you look from the inside, from your spirit, to the things of the Spirit. In other words, if you try to connect with God from your spirit, you'll actually see things revealed because God is a spirit. He's not a mind. 
So if you try to connect with Him through your thought life, uh, you know, thoughts and reasonings, well, you'll feel far from God. You'll feel like God doesn't exist. Like, like why is He not saying anything? Because you're looking for a mental response or a response in the realm of reason. That's not where He responds because He's a spirit. So He will speak to your spirit. So if you haven't taken time to develop your spirit, spiritual things will, become, will be very indistinct. In other words, um, you know, when I was in, um, I'll tell all of my secrets, Dave might try to make me sing or something, but I was in 7th and 8th grade choir, and I remember they taught us to like enunciate our words, like especially the T's, and everybody was spitting while they were enunciating, you know, learning, learning how to do that. Well, why? Because in order for people to understand what you're singing, you have to say it distinctly, right? Well, if, you're, if you've never developed your spirit, spiritual things you'll have a general sense like this is what the Lord is doing or this is what the Lord is saying. But when it comes time like you need to know, like I need a word from you, I need to know exactly what it is in this situation, it'll be kind of fuzzy. Because you are born again and you can sense like, yeah, the, I know the Lord's saying something about that, but I'm not really sure what it is. Well, because you haven't developed your spirit. In other words, developing your spirit. Um, the second that you're born again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Uh, uh, one translation says, a new species of being which never existed before. So you're no longer human. But you're not just divine. You're actually a human divine being. And Jesus is a divine human being. Do you understand the difference? He was divine and took on humanity. We were humanity and took on divinity. So not that we're equal with him as far as um, uh, like he's the savior of the world, but we have come into the family and we're joint heirs with him. We are partaker with him. We're, we're as much a child of God as Jesus is. In fact, in John 17, when Jesus was praying to the Father, he said, Father, I'm not just praying for these people that can hear me right now. I'm praying for everyone that's going to come after them. I want them to know that you love them the same way you love me. Right? Well, we learn in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Uh, again, I love how Weiss translation says it right in verse 3. It says, it's a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the one loved. Well, that's the God kind of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. So that's how God loves every single one of us. Not just those that were there hearing Jesus pray that prayer so they could write it down, the gospel writer, not just John, but all those that would come after me. I love the foreknowledge of God that he knows the beginning from the end, that he's outside of the realm of time. And so he knew that the devil would try to say like, well, that's just for those people then. So what? So Jesus spoke out inspired by uh, God himself because he said, I'm only saying and doing what I get from my father. So he's a great example for every single one of us because he said, uh, I'm not doing my own thing. I do the will of my Father. So if you want to know what the will of God is, look at the life of Jesus. That's why healing is so clear and cut and dried. That healing is the will of God for every person all the time. Now every person all the time will not receive what belongs to them. Don't misunderstand me. But it is the will of God that they receive it. And so you go, you go, oh, I was talking to somebody this past week, and you, he, uh, salvation for your spirit, when you become born again, 
is like everything else that was part of that redemptive package, you take it back to that same experience. So, it is the will of God that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yet we know, according to the Word of God, not all will. And we also know, according to experience, not all will. Some people die cursing God, which is, if you think about it too much, it's like devastating. You know? But you just have to remember, you're not the Savior, He is. And uh, we, we do the best we can and uh, uh, speak for Him, and uh, people have opportunity. I, in fact, on the way here, um, uh, I just found out, I'm not going to say because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but a uh, member of my uh, wife's family, we got a text uh, that uh, one of their children just prayed to receive Christ tonight, and they're being baptized on Sunday. You know, and so sometimes you, you might think uh, uh, some people are, um, it's going to be a long time. But I encourage everybody, especially with family, that you just, I plead the blood of Jesus, and you don't, don't get your familiarity trip you up from believing God, because it's amazing. When, when, when God brings light, understanding comes with that light. And the Lord could have brought it time and time again, and it's been rejected every time, but this time, they'll listen. So, so you just, you just, you're just thankful. Um, but if you don't take time to develop your spirit or if you don't pay any attention, you don't just develop your spirit by default. Uh, you have to give attention to these things and you have to live out of your spirit rather than living out of your, uh, your flesh. I remember when I was in a denominational church, they did a study on um, finding God's will for your life. I don't remember the exact title of it. I remember the authors, but I don't want to say it just because I don't want it to come off like a criticism or something like that. But the basic way they were saying that you find out what to do in life is you look at your circumstances. So basically, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, that tells you what the will of God is. And so that type of thinking would say like, uh, you know, uh, Lord, open a door. And then whatever doors open, in other words, whatever opportunities you have, that is the will of God. Well, you know... I like how Kenneth Hagin used to say, it. you know, somebody said, well, Lord, if the, I'm talking about putting out a fleece, if, um, if that door opens in the next five minutes, then I know it's your will. And he said, well, he said, I might go decide to open that door myself. <laughs> then I know it's the will of God, you know. Uh, so you don't know uh, how, it, how it is. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8.14 says, they are the sons of God. So sons and daughters of God will be led by the Spirit of God. So you have to be, become acquainted with your spirit. So it could be because there's a door open, but if that, was the, uh, if that was the main way to do it, then Paul, his entire ministry was out of the will of God because he had doors shut left and right, right in front of him. And his experiences, you know, I was talking to somebody recently, I said, you know, I'm just, sometimes you feel like... Uh, you have the anointing of Paul or something like that because like, you know, he's had the shipwreck and the whole ship fell apart, but he was saved and then this happened and that happened. You're like not claiming it or anything, but, you know, but when you know God told you to do this, well, you have confidence in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea, when the ship's breaking apart, everybody else is saying, we are going to die. It's all done. We're stupid. Why do we go out here? You know, Paul, you must have missed the Lord. But no, he knew. In fact, he, an angel stood by him and uh, said that everything will be, uh, the, everybody's lives will be preserved, but you're going to lose everything else, basically. And, uh, you know, so in the middle of the storm, Paul's faith spoke. And he said, 
you know, be of good cheer, I believe God. So in other words, he's like, get happy, because I believe God, it's going to be just the way he said it. And then he, you know, he went and repeated uh, what the angel had told him. Uh, then the angel heard from the Lord to tell him. And so his faith spoke. But just because of your circumstances, that is no indication whatsoever uh, whether you're in the will of God or out of the will of God. It is from your spirit. And so you know in your spirit, uh, and you may not be conscious of what you have in your spirit if you have not learned to look to your spirit or how to define your spirit. Um, you know, one of the greatest ways to know that, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, I have to look up the exact verse, talks about the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. What verse is it? 412. 412. Uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, or into what? Soul and spirit. So your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So if you're having trouble defining it, you're probably not in the Word enough, number one. Because the Word is what we learn in the Word is what actually separates the two. So I encourage uh, young people that are single, like um, whoever in this room is single, and um, potentially looking for a spouse, I encourage people, if you're, uh, if you're uh, finding someone that you think you might be interested in, you better be in the Word a lot, brother and sister. Because your emotions... And your hormones try to get involved and they try to speak, right? So your flesh tries to speak and then your, your mind tries to speak, tries to reason it out, why it shouldn't be or why it should be. And, uh, you know, when I first started uh, uh, asking Melody if she'd go on a date with me, she, uh, she was like not prepared for it. So I asked her, um, her, she was with her sister and a friend of hers. And so I just said, hey, you guys want to go out for frozen custard? Well, thank God, like her, um, she was caught off guard, but her sister, the way to her heart is through food. So she's like, yes, we do. <laughs> and Melody was like along for the ride. And, you know, I remember we went to this little place by the Bible school and uh, sat on the back, put my pickup truck, uh, the, thank you, tailgate down. It's funny, you minister and you get, forget the regular words you should know. And uh, so put the tailgate down, sat on the tailgate, and her sister talked to me the whole time. And Melody didn't maybe say five words. And, I, and I, I thought, I really hope they understand, like, Melody's the one I'm kind of interested in. Because <laughs> her sister just keeps talking, you know. And uh, so it caught Melody off guard. And uh, so then it took a little bit. You know, we kept doing stuff together. And then finally I did stuff with just her. And then uh, we were both kind of, because I was just dating people to have fun at that point. You know, I said, I don't want to be serious with anybody. But then we both kind of felt like, well, we're seeing each other almost every day. This is getting serious. And so we, got, we broke up uh, because we were kind of caught off guard. And so, well, let's just seek the Lord about it. And in that time, the Lord dropped her in my heart. And I, you know, um, so then after that, you know, it was like two weeks we were broke up. And then we started uh, dating again. And uh, we got engaged a couple months later. So, uh, but it caught us off guard. So sometimes... Uh, things catch you off guard. You don't expect it. And uh, you have to go and you have to find out from the Lord, uh, what should I be doing? Because He knows. And if you have been alive very long, you know how challenging um, marriage can become or can be. And you, you got to get it settled before you marry somebody like, uh, you know, this, this is, I have peace with God about this. Well, you have to be in the Word because why? Well, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. 
and obtains favor from the Lord. It doesn't actually say, he that the Lord chooses for your wife or for your husband. So if you notice, if you're honest, then when people pray about their spouse, many times the Lord will say, that's fine. If you choose that, that's fine. As long as it's in the Lord. Like Paul said, you marry anybody as long as it's in the Lord. You'd be equally yoked. That was the rules. So sometimes people want to say like, okay, Lord, who is the specific person? Like you tell me the specific person. Well, there's some cases where he does that. Uh, like with me, uh, Melody was really dropped in my heart. But um, really, it is your choice in the Lord. So that's why people get struggle with it many times because they're trying to say like, Lord, like, like I want you to say like with an audible voice, this is what it is. Well, that's because we all want an audible voice. Or we all want like a, a light to shine from the heavens for all of our decisions. And that is called something spectacular. And sometimes the Lord does that. I haven't heard of any marriages where he did that. In fact, if he did that with a marriage, I would say you better be prayed up. Uh, because uh, maybe it'll come back to me here in a second. There is a scripture uh, that actually talks about when you have these great demonstrations and manifestations from the Lord. That just means that you've got lots of trouble coming so that that supernatural manifestation will hold you steady. So sometimes you say, like, I want like some spectacular thing. Well, if you really got it, you might wish you hadn't. So Paul had the Damascus Road experience and look what he went through. So the primary way that we're led is by the inward witness. So the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, Proverbs 20, 27, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Romans 8, chapter 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then um, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. So the primary way he's going to speak to you is by bearing witness with your spirit. So you notice uh, the word said bearing witness with your spirit, not speaking to your spirit. So he's bearing witness with your spirit. In other words, if Addis and I saw something, like, uh, you know, he's a contractor, so I say, Addis, you see that, you, you, you see that, uh, how that uh, is connected up there, the structure of that? You, you see what that is, and you see how they, like, so I have in my house, he came and looked at my house one time, and so I'm saying, you see how that's face nailed on the front of there instead of put on the top? And he would say, yes, I see that. That was his answer as a witness, yes, I see that. Right? So many times the Holy Spirit, you won't even have the yes, I see that. You'll have, it'll be more like uh, the Holy Spirit's like a human man. You just grunt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you like that? Mm -hmm. you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, I'm not literally saying a grunt. But it's not in such distinct words as yes, I see that. But you have that same witness. So, but then that witness, because it's spiritual, see, it's different, it's much different than natural human reasoning or natural human speech. First of all, it comes in peace. The voice of the Lord always comes in peace. The peace of God that passes your understanding. So it's a peaceful voice. So when he speaks, he brings great peace. Right? So when, when he speaks those things, that inward witness, you have such a, uh, a peace that goes beyond your natural mind. 
So you may, you may, um, you may know natural things, like if, for instance, if you're in the medical or have been in the medical career field, well, and you find out that uh, you have a diagnosis in your body of something, well, you have educated your mind about all of the natural effects of what they have found in your body. So you better be really meditating the Word and have the Word be uh, more real to you than the medical knowledge that you have. Because otherwise, the, whatever you have more of, that's what you're going to gravitate towards. Even though you know, like you know in your head, I'm confident that most people here tonight know in their head that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. But I'm not confident that everybody here tonight is real uh, confident in your spirit that you're more conscious of that, that actually He took those away from you as much as you know it in your head that you have that settled in your heart. You have to have it settled in your heart because faith is of the heart. Romans chapter uh, 10 says, with the heart man believes. Again, your heart is your spirit. So it's with your spirit you believe. So you can believe something with your head. You could believe with your head and, you, you know, reason it out. Well, I mean, there's so many prophecies that came to pass uh, that Jesus really, that has to be true. Those prophecies about him have to be true. And you could say, okay, I take Jesus as my Lord. You know, uh, I believe God raised him from the dead and I confess him as my Lord. And if you do it from your head and you could do it from your head, I just did it from my head. I would not be saved. That would not save me. That would not change my spirit. Nothing would happen. Except for, I would think, and people might tell me, well, you said those words, so you're born again. Many times well-meaning people. But the, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto. So out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So you need to speak what you believe in your heart about Jesus being raised from the dead, and about His Lordship over your life. And if you confess that with your mouth from your heart, you will be saved. And somebody said, well, how, how do I know what that is? Well, we talked about romantic relationship just a minute ago, so let's talk about it again. Uh, you know, if I told my wife, Melody, I love you, and I'm just saying it from my head versus my heart, I'm going to know the difference, she's going to know the difference. So it's not, it's not that far off, it's not that difficult really to figure out, like, do, I, do you actually mean it or do you not actually mean it? But you get all um, human reasoning involved and your mind starts to, starts to whir and try to figure it out. Well, God's a spirit, so you have to receive uh, the things of the spirit. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 2, he talked about that we speak spiritual things to them that are spiritual. The words we speak. And then he said, actually what we're speaking to the world is foolishness. Because it is spiritually discerned or ascertained. So, the things, the, the whole word of God that we have written, holy men of old were moved by the spirit of God to write the word of God. Some of them spoke it, while other people read it, wrote it, or they just wrote it while they were moved by the Spirit of God. So this is written by the Holy Spirit. So this is only correctly received and interpreted by the author, who is the Spirit. So however, you, however much you are yielded to the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to receive of the Word. You guys, if you know my testimony, I was born again at about age four. My brother, we came home from a 
uh, a service, and we were, I remember we were in my, our bedroom. My brother said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I said, well, yes. And so we kneeled down right there next to the bed, and we prayed, and uh, about, I don't know, three or four weeks later, we were talking to my parents, and somehow something came up, and um, my, uh, I said, well, I'm born again. And they're like, when? And I said, like, I don't know, like several weeks ago, Greg, we were in the room, and we kneeled down and prayed, and they're like, wow, you know. And so I was born again, but I didn't know you could be filled with the Spirit. Didn't know there was a command to be filled with the Spirit. And so I was filled with the Spirit at about age 21. And um, when I was filled with the Spirit on December 30th of 1997, uh, you know, uh, there was a lady praying, and she said, would you like to be filled with the Spirit? And I said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in church, and I need to go to the altar. Well, what was that? Well, I knew the Holy Spirit. So I knew the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's what He was saying to me right then. Like, you're in church, you need to go to the altar. Was I literally in church? No, I needed to respond. Because before I was even filled with the Spirit, I had a spiritual perception when people in the service, when the Holy Spirit would come on people and convict them of sin because they didn't believe on Christ, I knew it. And so I would know, and actually to the point where I would know, like, okay, there's six people in here that need to receive Jesus. And you'd watch them respond, respond, respond. So I, I sensed that same thing, but I didn't consciously think about it. I just said it out loud. I said, I don't know. I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And I, as soon as I said those, I said, oh, yes, pray for me. Because I'm like, I'm responding. You know, I want to be a first responder. And so she prayed for me, and I began to whisper in other tongues. And, uh, and uh, then the next day I had a single ski trip, and so I, it was an hour and a half drive, so I prayed the whole time in other tongues. Nobody told me to do it. I just, that just, it was just there, and it just came out. Well, then as I got my Bible, I used to Bible quiz in the church I grew up in. We'd travel, travel uh, over the Midwest area there and do Bible quizzing and stuff. And so I was the quote guy, so I had to memorize the quotes. So I had all these quotes memorized. Well, then I had the same Bible. I was still using the same Bible I used when I was a, you know, in high school. And so I had the same things highlighted. And I remember reading my Bible after I was filled with the Spirit, and it had so much light that I read the same scriptures I knew in my head. I had them memorized. I still have them memorized in my head. And it, it I have a little bit of an analytical mind or maybe a lot of one. And so I was like in awe because I would be reading Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and I'm reading it and I had it memorized and I'm like, I am not ashamed of the God. And I saw in that scripture and almost every other one that I had quoted so much depth and revelation and understanding that I never had seen up to that point. I had, a, I had a very surface understanding of it. I won't say I didn't have any revelation, but the revelation that I got or the light that I got from the Lord after I was filled with the Spirit made what I had before so pale in comparison. It's like I knew nothing. And so um, that's because he's the author of this book. He's the author of these words. And the more you yield to Him, the more you get. So, you know, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, you know, another place in the Word, it calls it being filled with the Spirit. So you get filled with Him, and He's the author. What are you going to see? So uh, the Word of God became a whole new book to me. And uh, just full of words of life. And full of light. You know, it... it, it, it it guides your path and, and guides your way. So um, you have to develop spiritually. Paul said if you don't, you know, he said, you should be ready for meat by now to the Corinthian churches, but you're not. You're babes in Christ. You're only ready for milk. 
So I can't even give you some of these things that He really wanted to give you. Would to God that we could all receive everything that the Lord wanted for us. That we're, 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 we're well able to eat the meat, you know, and that we can receive everything He has. Um, but they hadn't developed. They were still babes in Christ. Well, when you're born again, uh, where I was going at the beginning there, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're born again and you're qualified for everything that God has and it all belongs to you. It's a matter of can you receive it? Well, many times the reason we don't receive is because we can't receive. And the reason we can't receive is because this thing right here. Because our mind has not been renewed with the Word of God. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may able to be able to uh, prove what is the perfect will of God. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Same Greek word, same root word that we use for metamorphosis. In other words, a complete change. So much so that a little kid would say like, that's not even the same creature. You're completely different. Well, what is that? That's by the renewing of your mind. James talks about be saved by saving your soul by the renewing of your mind. Soul there is referring to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Well, if you do not renew your mind, your spirit is in communion with God's spirit. You become one spirit with Him. And when the Lord wants to do something or say something, you'll have the witness of the spirit. You look there. But then you'll go to your mind and your mind will override your spirit. The only way that you, you fix that problem is you have to renew your mind so your mind is in agreement with your spirit because your spirit is with the Holy Spirit, become one, and the Word of God and the Spirit of God agree. So there's not going to be the Word says this and the Holy Spirit says this. This is why we're a church of the Word and the Spirit because you really can't separate the two if you're going with God. Right? If you want to go off on your own, you can separate the two. But you're not then with the Holy Spirit, and you're not with the Word of God. You, you may like, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, you, if you have just the Word, you're going to dry up. If you have the Holy Spirit, I don't remember how he said it, but I say you're flake out. Why? Because the Word and the Spirit agree. The, the, the Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. So how are you doing something outside of the Word and calling it the Holy Spirit? Because He's guiding you to the Word. So then, therefore, I know that's not the Word. I and mean, that's not the Holy Spirit that's guiding you and leading you. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far down this path. But really what happens is people learn to yield to spiritual things. And sometimes people can yield to the Holy Spirit one second and yield to an evil spirit the next. So, you'd be somebody who might be prophesying one minute and they're prophesying by the Spirit of God. And then the next minute uh, they're prophesying by an evil spirit. So it's not a cause to get uh, uh, worried or concerned or fearful or anything like that, but just to know uh, there's many voices in the world, none of them without significance. The Word and the Spirit always agree. So, um, you know, in the beginning, I think the first chapter of the, the Guide on the Inside, he talks about uh, this, um, I think it was a Native American, uh, but some Native tribe, that the, the chief got born again. And when he uh, passed away, he was in the, in the um, tent with the chief when he passed away. And he saw him uh, leave earth and, you know, his spirit left and went, went to heaven. And uh, he came out and he came out to tell the village. And when he went to tell the village, they said, oh, we already know it. We saw his spirit fly up through the air. 
Why? Well, they had become aware of spiritual things. So there is a spirit world, but there is a natural world. And uh, Paul said in Ephesians that, you know, you, you have to stay aware, uh, particularly when you feel opposition, that our fight and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but there are principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world that are influencing that flesh and blood. And so we put flesh and blood on it. Like we put someone's name on it. Like so-and-so is like they are the problem. Not really. It's really whatever is influencing them is the problem. Uh, you want to pray for leaders. I think of leaders. And uh, I think of it, of course, in a, a realm of Christian leaders many times. But you watch what happens to leaders. Many times the problem is the influences that are directly around them. So it's the people that are directly around them, but it's the, the, what is influencing those people that are directly around them. I watch it, particularly in large ministries, you see different, different challenges that happen uh, because you can only do so much as one person. And so you, you want to pray for the influences uh, that are around people. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. That really denotes three levels of um, you know, satanic authority and satanic beings. And so our, our battle is not against that person. So sometimes you think like that relative is there, they just have it out for me, or that coworker, they just have it out for me. Oh, you know, uh, sure, they may have really been developed and they've developed themselves in yielding to those influences. But don't make a mistake, they're deceived. Most of them. Some people consciously make a, make a decision for evil. Uh, but most of the time, uh, people are just very deceived, they're very insecure. And so what they're doing is they're trying to preserve their security and through uh, uh, yielding to these thoughts that come like, well, you need to like make them look bad in front of the boss so that you get the promotion, right? These thoughts. So the devil works through thoughts. God doesn't work through thoughts. The devil works through thoughts. So we try to hear from God through thoughts, but that's not how he, you know, the only thoughts that come from God, they come from your spirit first. So you can think the thoughts of God, but you have to renew your mind with the word of God. And so if you have not developed your own spirit and you're going to set out to be led by the spirit. You are going to fall flat on your face in many things. That is because what I said a minute ago is your mind will side in with what the world says and with what your flesh wants when it has not been renewed. Even though your spirit's not satisfied with that. This is Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, remember he said, like, what a wretched man I am. Paul confessed that. What did he say right before that? He said, well, because, like, I see myself doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I'm not doing. Well, why? Because your mind has to be renewed. Because your mind makes the decision. You have a will, and you decide, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. This is what I am going to do. But your mind, if you have not renewed it, and you've been taught uh, erroneous things, especially if they have been substituted for the Word of God. In other words, God wants to make you sick to teach you something is a, is a very false devil doctrine. Well, if you've been taught that for years and years, you've got to renew your mind. And you may, you'll start to see and you'll say, well, that, I know that's not true. 
but you may like, uh, you can locate people by what they say. So you may like hear yourself say something like that, or that thought is there, or that whole attitude and demeanor, you have that attitude and demeanor. You may have learned to curb your tongue enough that people around you don't know it, but you really know you have that attitude and demeanor. Well, that's a great thing to know because then you can actually change. But if you just have that attitude and demeanor and you want to pretend like it's not there and you're just, you know, just, just, uh, well, I'm full of faith. Well, no, you're not full of faith unless you're full of the word. So if you're full of the word of God concerning healing, so that no matter what comes, that is more real to you than what the other thoughts are, that's where faith is at. You know, you, you know you're in faith because you get thrilled. You're full of joy. Uh, you know, the struggle is over. You're not trying to get something. You know I have got it. So you have received, like faith, you know, Mark 11, 23, 24. Well, I like 22, of course. Have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. See, again, it's talking about your heart. Uh, but believes, believes what? That's a faith statement. That's the, that's the verb for faith. Faith is a noun. Believe is the verb. Believe is the act of faith. But believes in his heart that those things he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire... When you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. didn't say believe that you have them. It said believe that you receive them. So before you ever have them, you have to believe that you have received it. It's yours. It's done. The pressure's over. You're not concerned about it anymore. You're like, I've got it. I have received it. It's mine. I remember when I first heard that, my mind was not renewed about it. And I was like, what? But I don't have it. But I have to believe that I have it. Isn't that a lie? Like these are thoughts like coming like, well, I don't want to lie. I was brought up. You don't lie. I thought, I thought liars go to hell. The Bible says every liar has their place in hell. And the, you know, I'm like, yeah, you can't lie. No, you believe that you receive it. That it's yours and not just yours but you have actually taken it. You have received what he is giving. And that's why I love A.B. Simpson's testimony because he said, you know, he studied the Word of God for two weeks after he, you know, he had such hard, bad heart problems he couldn't even hardly minister anymore. And just exhausted all week because his heart was failing on him. And uh, so he went up to New England, took two weeks off, and just studied the Word every scripture concerning healing. He said, man, after two weeks I have seen now that healing is just as much a part of God's redemptive work as salvation for, he called it the soul. Salvation for the soul was. And he said, I take this day Jesus as my healer as I have already taken him as my Lord. And he, then he said, and I'm so glad he put this in his journal. He said, whether my body felt any different at that moment, I don't, I know I didn't care. So he wasn't even looking for a different feeling. He said, because I knew he had it in his hand. Well, that's what Peter said. If we know he hears us when we pray, let's listen to the faith of Peter. He says, if we know that he hears us when we pray, we know we have the desires or the petitions we've asked of him. In other words, if God hears your prayer, well, you have it. You have it. And so you believe you receive when you pray. And then, uh, you know, how Mark Hankins says it is, we're the believer, God is the performer. 
So a lot of times we make a mistake because we're trying to figure out how is God going to do this, and then we try to help him out. Like if you're believing for a financial blessing, you'd be like, you know, accidentally just saying to somebody, you know, I just had a, my furnace just broke, and, you know. And you hear somebody just got like an inheritance, you know, or something like that, and you're like, yeah. I never got an inheritance before. Really struggling. <laughs> A lady did this to me at a, at, a, at a church about an hour and a half from here. And, uh, but I just blessed her anyhow. <laughs> I just said, okay, I'll bless you. You know, because, you know, anyhow. So I just gave her $100 and blessed her. And, but you know what? I saw her like three years later. She's still doing the same thing. No faith of her own. She could be living in abundance. Develop her faith enough, just yield to the Spirit of God. But no, she's like just looking for a handout. So um, I want to read this to you real quick, and we'll probably close with this. Oh, that's funny. I was talking about my older brother, and he texts me. He, he almost never texts me. Oh, where's that? There it is. Listen to this quote from Kenneth Hagin. I love it. The man or woman that shuts their spirit away cripples themselves in life and becomes an easy prey for selfish and designing people. But the individual that will learn to be led by the Spirit of God will rise to the top every time. The man or woman who shuts their spirit away cripples themselves in life and becomes an easy prey for selfish and designing people. So like that, I mean... When, 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 when people come, you know, you're, you're a church, so people come and they want to ask for money a lot of times. So I, I always look to my spirit. Like, what should we do? Why? Because they're selfish and designing people who feel like their job is to get your money from you into their pocket. So you need to be led by the Spirit of God even in your almsgiving. Maybe especially in your almsgiving. Because you may be feeding uh, someone drugs, or you may be feeding someone, you know, whatever else. So um, that, that's kind of a whole, whole other avenue of being loved by the Spirit. But, you know, um, Jesus told Brother Hagin in 1959, uh, he appeared to him and talked to him about the prophet's ministry. And there he talked to him about how to be led by the Spirit. He said, I'm going to teach you how to be led by the Spirit. I want you to teach my children how to be led by the Spirit. So he told him two things. Earlier he said, I want you to teach my people faith and I want you to teach, teach them to be led by the Spirit. And you'll notice that you can't uh, walk by faith without being led by the Spirit. You really can't separate walking by faith from being led by the Spirit. So the two really go together. Why? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God or hearing by the rhema of God or hearing by the, the Word of God that is revealed to you or made real to you. And so when the Lord's leading you and guiding you each step of the way, He is quickening His Word to you. He's saying, he's saying you know, go this direction, go that direction. Oh, So uh, when I was in Bible school, the Lord quickened to me um, the Scripture uh, that the, the, you know, literally it says the religious person helps orphans and widows. Says that's a religious person. 
right? So we don't, we kind of criticize religious people because generally for our definition of religion, it just means like a method and a system and there's no life in it and there's no word in it and it's just that. But he's talking about, you know, this is, this is, this is basically godly actions. And so uh, that was quickened to me. So I'm sitting in a, in the service and it was on a Wednesday night and I think there were probably, I don't know, a thousand people there or something like that. Uh, and so I sat down next to this uh, older lady, like just white, white hair. And before I realized it, I said, do you need someone to mow your lawn? And she said, I just sat down and was praying, Lord, would you please send someone to mow my lawn? <laughs> well, I was, I was led by the Spirit. One of the, the, the keys to developing your spirit is to inst instantly obey the voice of your spirit. So instead of like questioning, like, well, what about this? And who would it be? And I wonder if it's this lady, whatever. I just spoke from my heart. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah. And so we had a relationship for years, you know, and it was a blessing because I, I just took care of her, her lawn and then changed her light bulbs and whatever she needed, you know, for free just to bless her, take care of her. And sometimes it was really hot and everything. And then she blessed me, too. I was single, so she did my laundry all the time. She taught me how to do laundry better and, uh, and these things. And um, uh, she, she was a blessing. We kept in contact for many years. and She's in heaven now. Um, but, you know... I followed that. Well, it came time later, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, how do I tell that really short? So I was, I wanted to go on, I felt led to go on staff at the ministry, Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and they were pretty choosy about who they, who they bring on staff. And um, so I found out later, she was like, the pastor's, one of the pastor's main ladies of prayer. So her, like his go-to lady for prayer about things that they needed at the church. So she had somehow said something to them about hiring me. So I got hired. I ended up traveling with Kenneth Hagin, senior, and did the church and everything like that. But I, I, the only reason I tell that is because I just obeyed the still small voice that I had, the witness of the Spirit, honor the widows and the orphans. And I didn't know any orphans. But this woman was a widow. Her, her husband had died, I mean, 30 years before. And so just by doing that, in the days when it was uncomfortable and hot, and I'm like, you know, I'd rather go, you know, hang out, you know. I, I liked her. And then, to be honest, she, she, she was a woman of faith. And so we would, I would do her lawn and everything like that. Sometimes she'd take me to lunch or something like that. And, you know, she was real sweet, real generous. And uh, she said one day, she said, you need a wife. <laughs> and she said, let's pray. We're going to pray. So we'd pray together too. So, so we, did, we knelt down and she's, and she's praying. And she prayed something and I thought, Lord, that is beyond my faith. And she said, Lord, I pray for Tim. I pray that he'll just have his pick of the women that he, that, that he would want to marry. And, all this stuff. and I thought, what is she saying? Like, pick of the women and everything. And uh, I'm like, that's kind of like a selfish prayer. You know, so my head, right, is getting all involved. And, um, well, it, it, that actually came to pass, which was, which was pretty awesome. And so um, I don't need to get into all that. But, but uh, so those little things that you obey sometimes are, many times are a key that you don't even realize and the Lord will lead, guide, and direct. And even though it looks like other people are going to get to hang out with all these you know, other people, so they have their pick or whatever, and I'm with an 80-year-old woman, well, they're all out hanging out. 
man, uh, her faith and her prayers uh, affected my life. And, uh, and so I'm so thankful that I yielded to what the Lord had put in my heart. And so then, you know, uh, the best time to begin to develop your spirit is the second that you're born again. And if you haven't done it, then the best time is now. Because when I was first born again and then filled with the Spirit, once I got filled with the Spirit, uh, I, just, I just developed in spiritual things. And the Lord put me with Kenneth Hagin, so that helped me, save me from a lot of different weird doctrines that are out there in um, Spirit-filled circles. And so uh, I just began doing it, and I was looking for something just, this, uh, just yesterday or the day before. I went back and I, I wrote a prayer journal, and... Um, so whatever the Lord would say to me every day, I put in my journal. And I read it, and Melody had never read it. And so I was reading a couple pages the other day, and uh, oh my, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I was um, engaged to another girl um, in uh, 1998, and uh, not Melody. And um, I wrote in July about this girl. I said, you know... Uh, Something's not right in that relationship. I'm not sure what it is. I feel unsettled about it. Something's not right. And then I put, you know, in my, it was my prayer journal. So I said, but I heard from the Lord that by the middle of next month, I'll have clarity and know what to do. And then I, I kept reading and, I was, and that I will be taking like spiritual steps forward if I yield to the Spirit of God and go forward and forward and grow and grow. Well, now I have the benefit of hindsight. So when I'm reading this, I, I was like in awe. Because I haven't reread this probably since I wrote it. And um, the next month is when Kenneth Hagin came to the church I was sneaking off to, and I had never heard of him before. And in that meeting, the first day of the, the first night of the first meeting of a two-week meeting, he got up and he prophesied, and he said, um, this is a turning point in your life, and the decisions that you make now will affect the course of the rest of your life. And if you turn and you go the wrong way, you'll dry up spiritually, and destruction will overtake you. But if you turn towards the Lord and follow Him, uh, you'll, you'll go from glory to glory, essentially. Well, so I was engaged to that girl, so right after that meeting, uh, I broke off my engagement with her. But I, I didn't connect it at the time. Like now in hindsight, I can see, oh, this is amazing. Look what the Lord did, right? And then three months later, I went and I, I moved and to attend the Bible school there. And so just illustration of that was I was so new to these spiritual things, but yet I kept myself pliable to the Lord so that I could develop in spiritual things and He would lead and guide. And so this series, I'm so excited about this series because, you know, you know, this will affect every area of your life. If you don't understand healing, you don't know how to receive healing, be led by the Spirit. He'll put the right scriptures right before you. He'll have you listen to the right people. You know, like there's different uh, anointed people, anointed of God, that you could listen to and that, that you're able to receive from more than others. And so you just be led in that. And then you be led in every arena of life. If you, if, you know, Jesus told Brother Hagin, if you be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And rich just means that you're abundantly supplied. doesn't mean you're a millionaire or a billionaire. But it means you have more than enough. Right? And so he said, you be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich.